you know, there's no no real such thing as a type of concussion. You know, a concussion is a concussion. Um, it is a brain injury. Um, it's something that we've got to be, you know, taking seriously every single time. Um, we can't downplay it. Um, and, and, you know, you need to have the proper rest, recovery and rehabilitation as well. So... Just things for me. Hello, podcast legends. My name is Ben Greenwood. I am the off-road performance coach. This podcast is to share with you how we do things at Race Ready Off-Road Coaching. Today, we've got another guest in, Alan Pierce, who we have had on the podcast previously. I highly recommend going back and listening to that earlier episode. I think it's number 17 or 18 with Al. We delved into a lot of other stuff in that episode about strength training, the nervous system, um, balance training, all sorts of things in there. This episode, we're really going to knuckle down into the concussion side of things. As everyone that rides dirt bikes knows, it is a risk we take when we ride dirt bikes. I've had a fair few myself over the years. So we delve into that topic specifically and Al shares some of the research he's been looking to looking into around all of the concussion stuff since we last spoke to him, uh, which was four years ago now. So there's a great heap of great value in here and he shares like some some information if you do happen to be concussed, what you can actually do to try and sort of mitigate the effects and and recover as best as you possibly can. So as always, if you get some value out of this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it, give us a tag or pop it in your Insta story or share it with someone that you feel would get some value out of it. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. We'll see you on the next episode. Okay. Today on the podcast, we have Alan Pierce back for a second appearance. How's it going, Al? Yeah, good. Thanks for uh, having me back on. It's been uh, been a while since drinks. <laughs> it has been, mate. 2019, I think. Right. I looked back when we did that first episode, so wow. it's been a while. Time flies. It you does. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> Prime of our lives, mate. That's right. Exactly. Middle <laughs> age, nothing better. <laughs> so for the listeners that perhaps haven't gone back and listened to that episode if, if you haven't i'd highly recommend listening to it because there's lots of gold in there um we're going to go down sort of the concussion route a little more deeply today but for those who don't know exactly what you do do you want to just give them the quick 60 second elevator pitch all right cool so 25 <laughs> word version is i'm a I'm a neurophysiologist by training so i look at how the brain functions um so i'm not a psychologist uh i look at you know at, at what the brain is what's happening in the brain when it's injured and when it's recovering uh, and i've kind of been doing that in the concussion space now for about 15 years but i've sort of been you know sort of looking at brains now for over 20 years um and you know i guess i've just focused in on concussion and chronic traumatic encephalopathy simply because it's something that has just taken a life of its own so i live this pretty much every day of my life now uh, across many sports and uh, I guess I've also been a little bit of a 
uh, a reluctant advocate as well because of what I'm seeing with people who are not recovering and, and struggling. So, you know, I, I'm a scientist first, but uh, I'm also a bit of a, an advocate and try and get out as much as possible to spread the word. Yeah, awesome. I like it. So 2019 has been about four years since we last spoke. Has there been some sort of major breakthroughs in terms of the research and what you've learned, I suppose, in the last four years? Yeah, look, I think uh, certainly <clears throat> four years has, has been some time and we've certainly got some progress now um, internationally um, as well. I mean, uh, we've got a long way to go in in uh, before I sort of, you know, my caveat is that we do still have quite a bit to go. But I guess one of the things that has come through in the last year in particular is that we've kind of confused the issue of concussion and chronic traumatic encephalopathy as one and the same thing. So, um, you know, going back four years, going back 10 years, if someone was having, a, uh, you know, ongoing issues with concussion, a lot of people would be worried that they've they've got, you know, CTE. And, and what we know now is that CTE is a form of dementia. Okay. Um, it's a different type of dementia to Alzheimer's and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, you don't need to be concussed to get CTE. And we can talk about that in a moment. Um, the, the flip side of it is that if you are concussed, and you have ongoing issues, it doesn't mean you have CTE. It's more likely that you have what we call persistent post-concussion symptoms. So they need to be treated differently. They need to be looked at differently. And, and that's probably been one of the big sort of uh, breakthroughs um, in the last 12 months at least. Um, and so I think we, we need to kind of talk about that a bit more because people are still confused. Yeah, cool. That's interesting. So... The CTE, is it when you say you could suffer from that without ever having a concussion, what what are some of the other things that might potentially lead to that? Yeah, so what we know is that it's a disease of exposure. And so particularly in the, uh, you know, contact slash collision-based sports, <clears throat> this, the work that's coming out of Boston University has been specifically with um, American football, but we can we can kind of translate that to rugby and and. Aussie rules and, and soccer as well. But what they've found in American football is that the longer you play American football, the greater your risk of CTE. But it's not just the, the time exposure, but also what position in the team. So, for example, if you are a quarterback um, and you play right from, you know, uh, primary school right through to professional uh, levels, being NFL, your yep. risk of CTE as a quarterback is about fourfold, so about four hundred times the risk of a not of a person who, you know, never never plays sport um, or contact sport, I should say. But if you are a defensive linesman, so you're one of those people at the front that's just getting smashed multiple times in a game and smashed multiple times in a in a training session, your risk of CTE goes up to about a hundred and nine fold. Wow, so, you know it. It's it really is based on what sort of activity you're doing and how long you're doing it for. So, the take-home message really is that if you're playing a collision sport, you know you, you do have a risk of of CTE without in, even being concussed. Now, this this is because of a, of lots and lots of small impacts or significant impacts that don't create a concussion signs or symptoms. Um, but it's important to note that. This doesn't mean that if you're riding a bike and you're and you're you know sort of bouncing around that that's going to contribute to CTE. 
All yeah. Right? So, you know, some of the some of the naysayers are saying, oh, well, you know, this is just bullshit because, you know, you could be you could be getting concussion by riding your bike then. And it's like, no, we don't see, you know, we, we have seen some cases of CTE in um, mountain bikers and, and um, uh, BMX jumpers and things like that. But they're ones who are getting multiple, multiple impacts every day yeah. through there. You know, just general riding and, and things like that. You, you know, the muscles of your of your neck and your shoulders and that are, are stabilizing your head as you're riding. So it's likely that you're not getting the same impacts that uh, you would get from, you know, being bashed every every day on a, on a football field. Yeah, well, I was about to say the nature of those sports, like you say, even when they're training, they're like tackling and hitting each other pretty hard. So like almost in a lot of ways, almost like every one of those tackles is kind of like having a crash on your bike and hitting the ground. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, you know, the, yeah, the, that's a good analogy is that if you came off your bike 40 times a day, a day, yep, then <laughs> okay, we've got some some concerns and not just CTU, but why are you coming off your bike that many times? <laughs> but, you know, you, you do have shock absorb the systems in your body that that will tolerate those those forces while you're bouncing around on the on the dirt yeah yeah that's cool because yeah i think earlier this year when i got in touch with you i took a few notes there about all of the concussions i've had personally which i'm pretty sure it was about six or seven that i could note that were like a serious enough concussion that i could notice something um so yeah that's six or seven that i can think of in a little bit over 40 years so it's mm. definitely a smaller number as opposed to like you say a, a linebacker or someone who's getting crunched every single day that's right and you're talking about you know with these sort of guys 20,000 30,000 impacts mm. so while a concussion isn't isn't good um you know it's certainly not to the same extreme level that these you know these athletes are, are taking over their lifetime is there a number you think like when when it comes if we think to the concussion side of things is there like i know every it's very i guess it's hard to quantify this because every concussion is different i suppose um is there a number of where you see a certain number of concussions where it does become more problematic down the line yeah so university of new south wales and and they did some um, research with oxford university um, I think it was last year or the year before, published a study where they looked at all, they looked at, at evidence um, sort of at the population level. So, you know, um, <clears throat> they they were able to access a database. And what they found was that if, if an individual had at least three concussions in their lifetime, their risk of impairments does start to increase. And the more that they get with that, then you know, the, the greater severity of that imp- impairment and, and a greater variety of impairments can occur as well. So um, three concussions seems to be, you know, the, the the baseline that people start to think, okay, we've just got to be a little bit more careful now. Again, it's, I have to really stress, it's the risk of impairment. It doesn't mean that you will be impaired. So, yeah. um you know, some, yeah, some people are fine, you know, just like, just like, sounds horrible, but, you know, some people smoke for, you know, 90 years of their life and they still live to 100. 
Um, yeah. You know, it, it it doesn't mean that every single person, and we're trying to understand why that's the case. So why is it that, you know, people, some people can be affected after three concussions and other people are completely unaffected after 10 concussions. And we think that there may be a genetic basis for that. We need to, you know, as I said, you know, we need to, we need a lot more um, understanding of, of, of this. Um, we, the top, you know, there's no, no real such thing as a type of concussion you know, a concussion is a concussion. Um, it is a brain injury. Um, it's something that we've got to be, you know, taking seriously every single time. Um, we can't downplay it. Um, and, and, you know, you need to have the proper rest, recovery and rehabilitation as well. So, but we seem to think that, you know, three could be the, the, the limit that the brain starts to then start to take on some impairment. Okay, cool. What has there been like when you say, like it, it, there can be people that have three, people have 10. Has there been any sort of research into how other lifestyle factors could influence that? Like I'm yeah. I'm thinking like people that get eight and a half hours sleep every night potentially could be um, different to someone who's only getting four hours of sleep, working night shift or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. There's there's certainly, you know, elements of, of uh, brain health that would be impacting on that. And that's sort of, I think, part of the, the next questions is well you know what are some of the lifestyle factors that could affect um you know cognitive impairments for example if you've had at least three concussions and um you know people who are likely to be concussed may have a different socioeconomic status as well so there's all these in other factors that we we don't really know that we need to look into um certainly we know that you know if you're not looking after yourself after your concussions, uh, you know, you're drinking alcohol, for example, we know a lot of footy players who are concussed would still have a, have, you know, three or four beers after the game of footy, for example, or, um, you know, people not necessarily having the right diet after their, after their concussion. Um, you know, we, we, we are starting to understand now that maybe omega-3s need to be, uh, taken after a concussion in order to help uh, you know um, reduce that inflammation for example um, what else is there you know exercise we now know the role of exercise is really important so after a concussion you're not just sitting in a darkened room um, doing nothing you know you're actually actively rehabilitating yourself after a concussion to try and get the brain um you know, active as well, because it can be quite easy just to just to go into a sort of a, a depressive uh, state, not necessarily depression per se, but just a, you know, a depressive um, state, which doesn't help with recovery and, and can increase that risk of ongoing symptoms. So yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that we need to, um, you know, sort of look at and, and assess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that sort of that depressive state. Like I definitely took a few notes this, like that one, I think it was in, I think it was in June or late May when I had that little yeah. concussion. So just to explain that, like I just had a crash um, on my bike. I like, I don't feel like I was actually knocked out per se. Like I don't, didn't lose any, I guess, memory or, or yeah, sort of come to, it was just a very, um yeah. abrupt impact and i just felt like very very dazed like instantly felt dazed and confused um oh, yeah. 
still knew where I was and and that, but I knew like I'd had a big hit and I was yeah. like, shit, I'm like, I wasn't going to finish the race. Like I just rode my way back to the pits. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wasn't knocked out cold or anything like that, but it was a, still a big hit. So anyway, I guess now that I'm, as after having spoken to you and being more aware of it, I kind of took a bit of note, like after yeah. that, how I felt. So the first three days in particular, I was just very, very groggy and lethargic, mm. like super tired, needed more sleep. Yeah. I could have just felt like I could sleep all day. Yeah. Um, so I felt like that didn't really change for the first three days. I felt very similar for the first three days. And then that started to improve, like my energy and uh, I guess fatigue sort of started to felt like it was sort of coming up a little bit each day in a in a linear fashion. Yep. But I definitely noted in that first week, like the seven days in particular, I felt like I had a fuse about that long, like yep. very <laughs> agitated and yep. very easily like yep. just, yeah, just sort of uh, a little bit anxious, I suppose, yep. like if the kids were like, carrying on about something that normally wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it was like would really get on my nerves um yeah. very easily so that was definitely one thing I noted in that first and then I feel like that sort of hung around for about seven seven to ten days and then after that sort of two week mark I kind of felt like I was yeah. sort of back, back to normal in inverted commas yeah 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 that's right exactly and that's you know a couple of things that you mentioned there you know we we loss of consciousness is only in probably 10% of concussion. Mm. So if people aren't familiar with concussion, if you're not knocked out, it does, it still means that you can be concussed. That's, that's one of yeah. the myths around concussion. Yeah. Um, the other one too, is that, yeah, we now appreciate the role of sleep. So, you know, again, another myth was to not let someone go to sleep. And that, that was based on, you know, I guess, concern that oh well, they might lose consciousness and um and and what we know now is that the brain needs rest after you know in that immediate sort of 24 48 72 hours yeah you know, rest rest is is good <clears throat> um and and you know if if the person needs to sleep yeah absolutely let them let them sleep um and then, you know, talking about irritability, you know, that's one of, of, you know, 20 signs and symptoms of concussion, you know, and this is the, mm. what we call the, the constellation of signs and symptoms of concussion. Um, because everyone, as you said at the start, you know, everyone's different. Everyone reacts differently. No two people are generally the same. Um, and, and irritability is, is certainly one of those signs that you have been concussed. Um, even though you were able to ride yourself back to the to the pits, you know. So yeah, and it is, it's interesting because probably not that long ago, the fact that you were able to ride back to the pits would be like, well, you're okay then, you're fine, you know. <laughs> if you yeah. your bike, there must be nothing wrong with you, you know. So, but we now understand that uh, no, and it's an evolving injury as well. So the fact that you know over the next three days you were really fatigued and and nothing had improved and you're irritable. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the things that uh, is certainly a, a sign that you you had a concussion. Is that sort of 
is that common sort of that two weekish sort of period or is again is that something that's very different between cases um, yeah look it is it is very individual but that's one of the other things i guess that we're starting to understand now and this is part of the the battleground right now in the concussion space is symptom resolution doesn't necessarily mean brain recovery so while your symptoms may have resolved within 10 days or maybe 14 days we know that the brain probably takes you know longer maybe you know three to four weeks probably closer to four weeks um, some studies are suggesting that you know it, it can be you know still have some residual physiological concerns three months after a concussion but yeah, wow yeah so <laughs> but that you know th this is where the, the the tension point is you know we we might be seeing some you know a long tail of of um you know physiological recovery that that may take quite a bit of time but it may be at such a a, a minor level that it doesn't really affect your functioning on a day-to-day -day basis and you can still probably ride and and you know have no no issues um and again we're still trying to trying to understand that but you know we we don't want people to be going well if you can cast you out for three months now that's that's just not not you know not reasonable and and not you know it's it's just um it, you know it's just not not um practical either um yeah but at the same time we don't want people coming back to their sporting activities or recreational activities you know whatever within seven days because we know that the brain hasn't recovered um quickly enough and you know we're, we're sort of saying that in context of the fact that um that we do have evidence that if you are concussed your risk of further injury and not talking about concussion but we're talking about musculoskeletal injuries um increasing yeah. by you know two and a half to three fold so we see that people who are concussed are more risk of you know ankle rolls um, muscle mm. tears ACL injuries um, can be can be increased risk because the brain hasn't fully recovered, and we're trying to understand that link between the the population data that says your risk is higher and why is that? And we kind of think that maybe the brain processing isn't um, you know optimal enough. So you know that's the difference between you evading an opponent uh, or getting cleaned up, or you on a bike and making that decision to you know miss that rock or or you know go straight into it so you know yeah. you probably needs 50 milliseconds and you if you're off by 50 milliseconds you know on a bike you, you know traveling at what 30 40 k's an hour on the dirt track that could could be the difference between you making that that turn and you missing it oh totally 100 yeah there was a case i i think back to earlier this year with one of the professional supercross riders dylan ferrandez in the the American Supercross, very similar thing happened. He had a had a big crash, and I'm pretty sure he had a week because they're back. The, the races are every weekend, so okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure he took one weekend off. So he had two weeks till yep. his next race, and it wasn't even in the race. I'm pretty sure it was in practice that mm -hmm. he he mistimed a a jump and clipped it, came up short, and had a really bad stack luck. Yep. Got another concussion. Yeah. So that was like he was out for the rest of the season. He actually went, I think he went to a because he's from France. So he went back. He said he went back home to France to a brain specialist and they put yeah. him through a whole like 
multi multi week like month long sort of rehab process before he could come back to racing again. Yeah, exactly. So you know they're the sorts of um, examples that we you know we we try and illustrate that yeah you might feel you you know most of the time you'll say oh yeah I feel great I don't have any symptoms you know the medical doctor is doing their best based upon your your self-report or the you know the the writer's self-report you know they can't go on on anything else Um, they can obviously do a few um, observational tests and and make a a clinical decision and, and that's that's totally fine but you know what? What I do as a physiologist is is you know looking at at the brain function at a much more subtle level, and it might be these sort of really subtle things that we're missing that can lead to a significant um, you know post concussion crash and a, and a second um, second concussion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is that something like I've seen with obviously the the I guess the work you do with people that have had concussions where you put the yeah, you can explain what it is more yeah, the brain simulation to me yeah. than me, but on their brain, and you're obviously sort of taking a reading of their brain. Is that yeah? Can, can that give you any feedback as to when the concussion has uh, has recovered or not really? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the 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 studies that I've been doing this year with um, Seaford Football Club. So going back to 2015, I I did a, a preliminary study in um, an amateur football team, the Hampton Rovers, and um, what we were seeing was that while symptoms were resolving within sort of five to six or sorry, five to seven days, um, the technique that I use where I, you know, stimulate the brain and I can look at the response um, sort of showed that after 14 days, some you know, a number of the players weren't actually recovering. Now, what I do is I, you know, um, and, and, you know, looking forward to having you in the lab next time is, you know, to stimulate your brain which allows me to, you know, create what we call um, ev- what we the technical term is evoked potential. So, for you to make a movement, you know, your nerves have to have to create impulses. Those impulses are called action potentials. So this is sort of going back to your high school um, biology. Yeah, and those action potentials help you think, help you feel, help you move. You know that that's what it's all about. Yeah. When we do it artificially, we call it an evoked potential. And what we can do is we can stimulate the brain. We can measure that response using um, either what we call electromyography, where we can put some electrodes on a muscle and we can look at the response, or we can put on a, a cap using electroencephalography and look at the brain waves. Both similar principles. The, the waveform that comes up gives me a balance between excitation and inhibition. So the analogy is an accelerator um, of a bike and a brake of the bike. So obviously to make the bike move, you've got to accelerate. That's the excitation part. But you can't control the bike unless you you know, you've got the brake. And that's the inhibition part. And so I can look at that balance between excitation and inhibition. And what we find after a concussion is that the inhibition um, circuits or inhibition pathways get longer. So there's more inhibition. So it's almost like you're trying to ride the bike with the brake on. Okay. Yeah. So your brain is, you know, processing slower. It's not, not sort of working as optimally. But the good news is that that as your brain recovers, that inhibition starts to come back to what it was prior to the to the concussion. 
So this it's an objective biomarker that lets us know, okay, Ben, you know, compared to your baseline, um, you, you're, uh, you're, you're tracking back, but you, you, you've still got a little bit of more inhibition than I would expect. Let's take another, you know, five days off and we can bring them back. And what I've been doing is sort of testing them on a weekly basis after a concussion. So, you know, the, the, the week three or week four, we start to see this inhibition excitation balance sort of come back to work, what it was at preseason. So we can kind of see, even though you might not think you've got any symptoms, you might not feel you've got any symptoms, um, you know, it's um, it's 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 just a way of going, okay, yeah, you, you're not quite right here. Let's just take another, you know, another week off just to, just to make sure. And, you know, I say this all the time is that, you know, an extra one or two weeks can probably extend your career by five or six years. Yeah, right. And and that's the thing, you know, think about the big picture. Don't don't get too don't don't I guess don't hurry back so quick because you know it, it could affect the fact that you might not you might have to stop riding or stop playing footy or whatever at 21 or 22 because you've taken too many concussions. So think about the long term, you know, think that you can ride to your 40 or 50, you know, rather than retiring early because you wanted to get back that one week early. Yeah. It's a pretty good ROI, five or six years for an extra week or two. Yeah, that's that's all it is. You know, it's it's um and and obviously I you know I you would know more obviously in 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 motorsport, but I mean in the football codes, I mean even even in the AFL this year there were like five or six retirements from concussion, which mm. shouldn't be happening given that we now apparently have the best concussion protocols. Um, this should not still be happening. Like we should not have any players retiring at yeah. twenty. 21 or 22 years of age because they've had too many concussions, um, not just in one season, but also over the last three or four years. It's it's just like, I don't get it. Yeah, well, you're right. If You would think if everything's making progress um, and the, the protocols are getting better, then that number should be going down, shouldn't it? That's right, exactly. And they're, you know, staying the same, if not, or, or you know, maybe even increasing. So... And you yeah. can't you can't play the oh well we're we're more aware of this now this is great because when they go down the same excuses oh you know we've got our concussion protocols everyone's aware now so you you can't have your cake and eat it too so we we do need to get better and we knew, do need to create you know change the culture around this injury that it's not not um, it's not a head knock you know <laughs> we don't we don't just um, you know, downplay it as a, as a head knock and, and you'll be right. Um, it's a brain injury. So treat it, give it the respect that it deserves. You only have one brain and you can't replace it. Yeah, absolutely. So you touched on it a little bit a couple of times there, but is there, like for someone that has had a concussion, is there a, a little bit of a potential like a protocol or some things that they can they can put into place in those first couple of weeks or or month or whatever that looks like to actually help recover? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess one of, the, one of the things that would be good is to have it in consultation with someone who can help you with your recovery. Um, so essentially, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. So essentially what we now know is that, you know, after a concussion, as I said before, um, 
have have an initial period of, of rest. Let your brain shut down. Just let it, you know, don't try and stress it out, um, you know, for 24 to 48 hours at least. Once you start to get over that initial sort of, you know, acute symptoms and you start to think, oh, yeah, look, I'm starting to feel, you know, a little bit better, it doesn't mean you're better, but it means that you can now start to look at um, an active recovery. Um, and this will entail very low-level graduated exercise, starting off at that low level. So it, it could be as, you know, it should be, I should say, not could be, but it should be as, as low intensity as just walking. Um, yeah. And then graduate that to, you know, jogging, then to running. And once you start to get to running, then you might be able to start doing some uh, resistance training or, or weight training. Um, and then you can then start to graduate into sports-specific activity. Now, that is in itself is, is difficult to manage on your own. So I would probably suggest to, um, you know, try and get <clears throat> someone like yourself or an, or an exercise physiologist um, who can help develop a graduated protocol based upon, um, you know, even heart rate. So one of the, the ways that we can quantify how much exercise you should be tolerating or doing um, is the Buffalo concussion treadmill test. And it's a very simple treadmill test. It's, it's based upon the old VO2 max test without the VO2 component. So it's looking at yeah. your heart rate and it's looking at your rate of perceived exertion and looking at your symptoms as you start to do a graduated um, exercise protocol on a treadmill. And, you know, if someone is is um, sort of, you know, on the treadmill and they start to get some, oh, I'm starting to get a bit of headache or whatever, and their heart rate is at 130, okay, you stop the test there and you say, okay, we're going to keep your um, <clears throat> exercise this week to no higher than 120 beats per minute. So you go, okay. I know what I can I can do and tolerate rather than just going, oh, well, I should be just doing some moderate exercise and a moderate exercise for an athlete is completely different to a moderate exercise for a for a, um, a non-athlete person. You know, yeah. people, people, you know, athletes will say, well, I only warm up on 130, 140 beats per minute, you know, as for a, as for a you know, a, um, a average person, they'd be like, well, that's just way too high for me. So this is why we need to tailor that um so a graduated tailored exercise protocol with based you know with a with an exercise professional can help that physiotherapists can help with that too um and then on the other side of that is is nutritional so you know getting some omega-3s in um into the diet not having alcohol um is, is obviously the, the way to go um there but we still need more evidence on omega-3s We've had some, you know, I've had some queries about magnesium and creatine. We've done, like myself and some colleagues in Ireland have done some extensive systematic reviews and we still haven't got any proper trials looking at that. So while there's a lot of anecdotal evidence out there and there are influencers, you know, talking about, you know, what they take, we just don't have the scientific evidence yet. So, you know, if anyone wants to throw us, you know, some money to do some research, um, we, we would be certainly happy to test, um, you know, the, these, um, you know, nutritional interventions um, independently. So I guess that's, you know, that, that that's sort of maybe a, a point for discussion when we catch up again in a few years' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. 
So it's just you definitely got to ease your way back into activity, that's for sure. And then if you can sort of support that with some with a bit extra sleep, potentially omega threes. Yep, and, that's right. And just be mindful of your nutrition. Absolutely, and and you know, in some cases, some people might need to speak to a psychologist because they need to understand the injury. You know, particularly if if people are not recovering, or they, for example, that you know, it can concussions can affect sleep. So, um, you know, if if you're not able to you know sleep seven to eight hours a night don't get hard on yourself you know it's part of of the brain trying to recover um so it may well be okay to see a psychologist just to try and help the, get the psychologist to help you understand what this injury is um and you know why you are experiencing um you know issues like you know maybe some impairments fatigue brain fog things like that um that that just trying to understand that can also help the the recovery process. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's because it's a it's a really it's a complex injury because it's so mild, and this is the thing. So it's not like a car accident where you get a severe brain injury, which you know you would never ever want to wish anyone and anyone. It's not like a stroke where um, you know it's an acquired brain uh, sorry yeah acquired brain injury. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those injuries that is too mild for neurologists to really worry about because they see the the strokes and they see the severe TBIs and they see the Parkinson's disease people, dementia people. You know, but at the same time, it's too complex for a a GP as well. So you know, and and it's not disparaging GPs. It's that we know that in medical courses, physiotherapy courses, exercise physiology courses, exercise science courses, students don't get concussion education. So um, I've had medical practitioners, medical students say to me in my five years of, of university training before I go into the hospitals for two further years, I've had one slide in one lecture in my whole yeah. career. Um, yeah. Physios might get, you know, yeah, half a half a lecture on concussion um and and exercise science probably won't get any um when i taught i made sure i did a, a full lecture on concussion but i no longer teach um so yeah i you know most most don't get anything on this so it's that's why it can be so difficult to um, assess and this is why we're starting to see people trying to um you know self-teach yeah, well, that was something I was going to say. Is that something you see that has come, I guess, progressed in the last four years? Like I know you mentioned when we first got in contact about this that you'd you'd actually done a, a conference presentation recently with the was it a mountain bike um, community? Um, yeah, yeah. So we just did a, a it was with um, MTB First Aid, um, and they just did a, a seminar specifically on concussion. Um, which was good. Um, had yeah, quite a few people come on online, writers and coaches and and whatnot, just to find out a bit about the the latest um, on on a range of things from you know the the I guess the you know the biomechanics of concussion through to um, you know uh, treatments, physiotherapy treatments, 
um, to, you know, helmet designs, things like that. Um, and also, you know, my, my stuff on, on concussion physiology and, and CTE as well. So, yeah, it looks like, you know, people are trying to almost self-teach. I've had, you know, a medical student uh, and physiotherapy student associations reach out saying if I'd give them a you know, seminar on that because they're, they're trying to teach themselves. And I think that's a that's a bit of a worry. It is. It is definitely where you would think, well, I'd think like if I had a serious enough concussion that I had to go to the emergency, the ER, like I'd like to think that they had some training around it to help me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, I've just had a, an emergency physician um, uh, at uh, Alice Springs Hospital reach out to me saying we need to have a, um, a, a almost like a, a, a dedicated Nation, nationwide protocol on how to deal with concussion in the emergency department. So you walking mm. into an ED um, after your crash, you would be treated completely different to someone walking into Sydney or someone walking into into Perth. There's just no protocol, um, and this and this is why it's it's a concern because you know you look at emergency departments and you know you can give your experience of walking into an ED. Um, and how chaotic it is and you know again this is where I get a bit upset that you you know they would downplay your injury as a low priority because obviously someone's come in and they've you know lost their leg or something like that or or whatever (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, but I've seen um, you know I've had many stories where people have been sent home because oh you've just got a concussion you'll be fine Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they have a seizure you know, or, or, you know, that they, yeah, they get worse and all of a sudden they come back and, oh, geez, sorry, we've missed, we missed a brain bleed, you know, or, or something like that. So, yeah, yep. we need to have um, more awareness and, and better um, understanding of, of what a concussion is. Sounds like a good opening for you there, Al. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. We'll see how, uh, <laughs> see how it goes. I mean, this, this uh, ED physician is, you know, he's, yeah, he's been great in the last couple of weeks that we've been talking. He wants to get his, you know, medical college, the College of Emergency Physicians on board. And they're like, yep, we've got to do something about this. So, you know, it's it's interesting that in 2023, we, you know, a lot of these medical colleges are still not fully recognising it. Again, you know, because it's such a, I don't know, Maybe it's been a low priority issue, and now we're realizing that it's something a little, a lot more serious uh, and a lot wider than we we um, have acknowledged. Just last week, I was um, you know in Sydney with the uh, College of Pathologists um, Australasia, so they represent pathologists in, not just in Australia but in New Zealand, Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia. So there's you know thousands of pathologists, and they've gone. Yeah, actually, we now recognise that CTE is a real disease. Um, again, it's been what that makes it ninety-five years after the first cases of of yeah. brain disease in boxes that a medical college has actually now recognised that that this disease is is actually real. Um, so yeah, it's it's been slow progress. <laughs> Good things take time. Yeah, as they say. <laughs> a lot yeah. Of time. I'd imagine out at Alice Springs there, I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard of the Fink Desert Race. That's a There's a big motorbike oh, yeah. race out there, actually, every okay. Queen's birthday weekend. Um, 
It's one of the biggest off-road races in Australia. Yep. Um, a lot of people go up there and and train for it outside of the race as well because you can't like it's one of those tracks that you can't replicate anywhere oh, else. Right. Okay. So yep. a lot of people go up there throughout the year to train on the right. track yep. for that race. So I know like it's a very high speed race and people like when you crash out there, it's often pretty bad, pretty big crashes. So I'd imagine at the Alice Springs Hospital they would be seeing quite a few cases of concussion in there. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, this this emergency physician just says, yeah, we're, we're seeing so many cases of concussion um, that, yeah, we, yeah, he, he's just sort of been emboldened to do something about it, which I'm, you know, really pleased about. Yeah, that's awesome. So I did want to take a bit of a dive into helmets. Like yes. we, we've... Um, <laughs> you've mentioned like even just to sort of tie it back into the football player thing like those american football players they obviously wear helmets um yeah but like we've mentioned they're still uh getting these impacts that may not necessarily concuss them but yeah. that can still be injuring the brain so just yeah to touch on that we did speak about it in, in the podcast we did four years ago but for the people that haven't listened to that like this will trigger some people but probably um but it's explain how yeah. your brain the helmet's not necessarily protecting your brain it's protecting your skull not the brain itself so that's exactly right that's and that's you know like yeah before i sort of yeah try and deconstruct why helmets don't work i i would certainly recommend that you wear a helmet when you ride a bike um yeah ride a motor obviously ride a motorbike but just not you know uh, you know any any bike irrespective of the laws you know i mean i know in other countries there's no uh requirement to wear a helmet if you're on a on a um, bicycle um whereas here in australia yep we we certainly have the laws for that and even if there wasn't i would still wear a helmet because i know that it's going to protect me from any fracturing or, or lacerations um if i came off my bike and um you know that that's that's well proven. They're absolutely well proven. Um, <clears throat> where where we kind of mix up, you know, the issue is that when we when we see a player um, or a, you know a rider or, or whoever um, get concussed or, or talk about their their long term issues, you know, we inevitably get people going, oh well, if they wore a helmet, they'd be fine. Well, in most cases, you know, we've seen that they have worn a helmet and they are still concussed. And this is because the brain tissue moves inside the skull. So um, <clears throat> the brain tissue is 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 really um, you know uh, delicate. It, it's a very delicate tissue. It's you know um, it's not like you know at school where um, and I don't even know if they do this anymore. But you know cutting up a brain, a lamb's brain or whatever in school to to you know that's a fixed brain. But an unfixed brain is like is like gelatin, you know, or jelly. It it moves really easy, um, and you know, if I was able to open up your your skull and pull out your brain, um, and you do have a brain, just just for anyone who wants to try and say otherwise, um, <laughs> I could squeeze it through my fingers. That's how delicate it is. It's not like muscle tissue. Yeah. Um, so what you're looking at is a very delicate framework of, of these neurons and supporting cells, which we call glial cells. 
And it doesn't take much movement for them to start to stretch and to shear. And that stretching and shearing can damage neurons to the point where if it goes beyond a certain amount of damage, they go into a process of cell death. And once you lose cells, that's it. Um, you can't regenerate new brain cells the way that uh, you know we, we think. And neuroplasticity is really important. We understand that. And that's what I actually did my PhD in. Um, but neuroplasticity isn't a panacea for brain recovery. What neuroplasticity is, is if, a brain, if an area of brain is damaged, then another brain, part of the brain can take over. We can see a little bit of regeneration of tissue, but it's not enough to completely help you recover to what you were prior. So you've got to really look after your brain and helmets just don't allow that movement um, to occur. And, and this doesn't matter if it's a hard shell helmet like the American footballers or um, motorbike riders or cyclists wear, or even if it's a soft shell helmet. Now there are, you know, helmet developers around the world trying to address this issue. And, you know, even at the MTB conference, um, you know, they were talking about their helmet design but we are not seeing evidence of um, protection from concussion injury or even protection from CTE um, developing, um, irrespective of the bio, you know of, of the lab research. And part of the problem is is that the lab research is very um, what's the word on controlled. So when they do their their testing, it's always a drop test. Um, they'll try and do some rotational tests, but it's not in the real world. So it's very difficult to try and say that a helmet will stop concussion because in 50, 60 years of science, we have not yet seen that. So, you know, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be for quite some time yet, you know, if ever, that we might get a helmet that can stop anything from happening, you know, and and it's all just part of the the you know, the risk of, of, of participating in these sports, you know, it's fine. You can, I'm, I'm not stopping anyone from, from um, participating in these sports, but you've just got to be aware and just look after yourself. That's all. Yeah, totally. Um, so like, obviously a, a helmet has got to pass a standard. So they've all got to pass the Australian standard when they're, when they're tested. Yes. So, you, like you see a lot of people say, like you kind of mentioned before, they say, oh, I'm glad I had this helmet on because it like it it stopped me from getting knocked out. But yeah. every helmet has to pass the same standard. So yes. whether it's a $100 helmet or like some of the helmets are like $1,500, $2,000 these days, yeah. is there really any difference in, term of the, in terms of the concussion protection? Yeah. There's probably no difference between a $100 helmet to a $2,000 helmet, am I right? That's right. Absolutely. I think, you know, the only difference is is the type of materials they use. Um, there may be some protection for the neck, maybe added protection for the neck. Um, you know, I, yeah. But in terms of pure, if you're looking at concussion, um, and there's no, again, there's no such thing as severity of concussion. A concussion is a concussion. So someone saying, oh, well, I only got a mild concussion because I was wearing a helmet rather than a severe concussion there's no evidence for that so um when we talk about you know mild 
moderate or severe concussions, you know, it, it's sort of relating to the type of symptoms. And again, that's very subjective. So the, mm. the, the issue around helmets protecting the severity of the concussion is a myth. Um, if you concuss, you concussed. And like, you know, even in your story, you know, you're able to ride back um, to the to the pits, but for the next three days, you're you're absolutely shot. Um, and yep. then for the next week, you were you were um, you know struggling, you know, irritability and and all that sort of stuff. So mm. once upon a time, a mild concussion would never incorporate those ongoing symptoms. A mild concussion would be, i.e., re you recover within a day. Yeah. So yeah, it you know it, it's it's one of those things where. Yeah, I guess it's don't believe the hype. I mean, we, we certainly see in American football, you know, um, there have been some very expensive helmets developed and parents have bought these expensive um, helmets, which have been found to be no better than than the standard helmet that has met the, the minimum requirement. Well, I was about to say, if there's ever going to be a sport where they've, like you've said, they've probably done the most <laughs> amount of research into it yeah. and, put, and put money into yeah. would be... So if there was a way to improve for that helmet to, to actually improve, it would be yeah. in football, oh, you would yeah. think. They've invested millions. Yeah. Invested millions. And, you know, this still still hasn't changed the, the rates of concussion. Um, you know, uh, myself and a, and a, a colleague um, in America, James uh, or Jamie Smoliga, he's, a, he's another physiologist, you know, we're, we're writing we've written a few papers to some um, hopefully we'll get them published they won't be rejected uh to some some prestigious medical journals to try and argue this this very issue that people are trying to capitalize on the fear of concussions um without the evidence so the the i guess the takeaway point is don't believe the media hype don't believe the pub pr that comes out of the um, companies, you know, um, and it's not easy to to look at some of the peer-reviewed research, but you've got to look at that and look at how it's being funded, how it's being, um, rather than just looking at, at you know, a CNN article or a, a Herald Sun article or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the best way I've probably heard it described is you you paying what you're paying for is potentially some more comfort and yeah. maybe lighter weight potentially which could, which could improve your experience on the bike but it's the the protection level is no different between hundred dollars to two thousand dollar helmet exactly exactly so you know they're meeting they're meeting the the minimum standard the you know um, then you know but at least you know that's that's what it's um. It's going to protect your your skull. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there like we've been through a lot, Al? Is there anything else you would like to touch on, just in terms of <laughs> like for oh, the yeah for, for anyone that has had a concussion or any anything you would like to share with them, just that they can yeah oh, yeah absolutely. Well, you know, like um, I'm part of my my you know I'm part of a charity called the Concussion Legacy Foundation. We, we have a helpline, the CLF helpline, which you can uh, contact if you do have any you know, concerns or questions that you, you have no one else to turn to. Um, and we have you know, a medical professional, uh, Harrison, he's, he's fantastic. Um, 
and really passionate and responds very quickly and can help with either um, you know answering your questions or if you need someone to you know in your area to um, see for professional help uh, we've got a network there so that's the uh, concussionfoundation.com.au uh, let me just double check that I'm not sure if it's .org or .e, but um, well, if you just send it through to me, mate, and I'll put yeah. it in the uh, I'll put it in the show notes of this episode. So if anyone yeah. that's that's listening, they'll be able to just click on that and and go take yeah. a look. So it's yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Concussionfoundation.com.au, but I'll get I'll send you the link. Um, and yeah, that's awesome. Got a helpline there. Um, it's also a charity to help raise funds for research, and you know we we can't give you information unless we've done the science. Um, and we can't progress this area unless we've done the science and we can't do the science unless we've got funding. So, you know, if there's, if you're thinking about, you know, raising money for a, an, you know, a charity, please consider um, Concussion Legacy Foundation Australia. Um, you know, I know there are other, you know, this time of the year, there are some other very high profile um charities that you know certainly doing good work but they're not doing work specifically in this area um and so if you if you're keen to to do some fundraising on a motorbike or on a on a on a bike you know um cycling or mountain biking or something like that for to raise funds um you know certainly think about us because uh, you know we're certainly here to help people who can't recover after their concussion that's awesome to hear it's, that sounds like a great initiative yeah, it's it's a worldwide organisation as well. So we have chapters in America, Canada, UK, um, and here in Australia. So you know we we have worldwide support um, as well with this area with this particular issue. So you know we're, we're yeah certainly not if, because this is not an issue that's just in Australia. This is a, a a worldwide concern. I mean, mild brain injury is one of the the most um, common contributors to death and disability worldwide so you know essentially it's an epidemic that we seem to uh, gloss over because we think of think of it as a head knock yeah yeah so the lab testing if yes. anyone you, are you sort of are you on the lookout for more people to to get lab testing yeah. done yeah. if there's anyone listening that potentially is like oh gee i've had a few yeah. head knocks would yeah, you so, be, what, what can they do to sort of organize that yeah absolutely so i'm um uh, at La Trobe University at uh, Bandura in Melbourne, um, have been doing you know some studies on um, collectively um, moto BMX jumpers and mountain bike downhill riders and concussion in particular. So, um, if if anyone is you know wanting to be involved in research and then also to get some feedback on on how they're travelling, um, they can just send me an email. So it's um, Alan Pierce at latrobe.edu.au or they can just uh, hit me up on um, social media. I've got Twitter and Insta, um, both same handle, which is at Alan Pierce PhD. Awesome. I definitely need to get down there, yeah. Al, and absolutely, and take you up on that offer. It'd be cool to see what's going on in the old noggin. Exactly. And uh, yeah, we can, yeah, happy for you to film it and put it up on, on your socials as well, just to so show people what it what it's like it's yeah it's not you know it's it, it's a bit of an anti-climax for people when they think are oh, you gonna you know zap someone's brain but you know so there's <laughs> nothing to be concerned of yeah 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 well we'll definitely get that i'd definitely like to line that up so we'll make that happen 
Sounds good. Sure. Um, thanks, Al. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Or oh no, just the just the last thing. Just remember, <laughs> it's not a head knock; it's a brain injury. <laughs> if in doubt, sit it out. That's it. Absolutely. Thanks, Al. I really appreciate your time today and your knowledge. No worries. Anytime. And yeah, happy to uh, you know catch up again in a few years and tell you about more progress. Absolutely. Thanks, Al. Cheers.